Hello everybody, welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football. It's been so long, it's been so long. Uh, we, just because we didn't do the Friday show, it feels like we haven't done one for ages, Will. But it's so good to be back and we've got so much to talk about. Yeah, I don't want to start by cleaning your car, but a week's been a long time and I don't want to blow smoke up your ass either. But what an amazing achievement for you at the weekend, £50,000 for charity. Uh, a lot of people say you're a bad guy, but I mean, look at that money you've done for charity, so... Uh, this would be the first and last time I'm nice to you, so well done, but let's get on with well, the show. Well, you, you, you know, I'm even thinking this, and I'm the guy who raised money for charity. Some people raise money for charity, and then they're still bad guys, as as we've True. become yeah, aware yeah. of. Yeah, just just want to make clarity. I'm not, but let's just... You sound uh, like you, you are, know. No, I'm not. I'm definitely not. It was a fantastic achievement by the community, and it's a fantastic achievement to be back doing this podcast. Remember to get your comments in and give us a, a follow on Spotify and iTunes and all that. But we've got loads to get into. We've got Pratt of the Week, and Pratt of the Week is sort of we've got the jingle. We've got the jingle. But I tell you what, Will, Pratt of the Week is starting. I've got two or three. You've got two or three. We're going to be talking about the naughty boys. Chelsea, Man City, and Arsenal. Should they be relegated? Not Arsenal yet, but they're they're going to get a charge. Um Either ors, some cracking ones in there like uh, De Bruyne versus Scholes, Jota versus Foden, and my favourite of all, which I've completely forgotten, which we'll remember. Uh, but I've got a new jingle here. I'm going to go straight into this. It, Will doesn't even know this is going to happen. This is going to be a new section on the run up to Christmas, and it goes a little bit like this. Who'll be top at Christmas? That is all. Who'll be top at Christmas, that is all. Who'll be top at Christmas, that is all. He wants me to stop. Yeah. Well, who'll be top at Christmas? That's what we're going to do because this international break is about to come to an end. And I'm just going to jump straight in there and say, Manchester, no, no. Liverpool. Really? What you think with the the run-in, with all the fixtures, with the way they're tracking that they're going to be top? Well, I know they've got a very big game at the weekend, which we're going to be previewing massively on the Friday show. But I think that it's really interesting when you look at the fixtures in 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 December. Um, I've just got a feeling it's going to be Liverpool. Uh, but look at the, look at the table. Obviously, Man City are still top; they're a point ahead of Liverpool, and they're at home to them on Saturday. But I'm just I'm just going to throw it out there. I think Liverpool will be top at Christmas. Look. People will say, "How can you say that as a United fan?" I'm making a prediction. I'm not football god. I'm just Mark Goldbridge. I tried to say football, but I'm not a footballing god. I can't decide who's going to be top at Christmas. But I can say that looking at the fixtures, I just feel that Liverpool will be top at Christmas. What about you, Will? Well, I'm just looking at the fixtures now. And in the, before Christmas Day, which I, although on, I don't know if you've ever seen the chase, the once where the guy was like, uh, what day is Christmas Day on? And the guy goes, Wednesday, but it's on the 25th again this year. Uh, they've got to play Manchester United, Manchester City and Arsenal before Christmas Day. So, Mark, I'm saying to you, do you still want to keep your prediction that Liverpool will be top at Christmas? Yeah, well, I was just looking at it there. They've got, as you say, got Man City, Fulham at home, win. Sheffield United away, win. Crystal Palace away, I think they'll win there. Then Liverpool, then they've got West Ham, then they've got Arsenal, which is all before Christmas. But if, well, they'll open up a big lead at the top if that doesn't happen. I mean, your alternative is to go with the mighty Manchester City, boring. Yeah. Yeah, boring. They are, they've got a point lead at the moment. They've got Liverpool at home. Then they've got Spurs at home who've fallen away. But then they've got Villa away, Luton away, Crystal Palace at home, Brentford at home. And then, yeah, I mean, look, Man City probably are favourites, but I'll give you Arsenal as well. Arsenal, Brentford away, Wolves at home, Luton away, Villa away, Brighton at home, Liverpool away. 
I mean, it's probably going to be Man City. Actually, I've just talked myself into a bore. He'll be top at Christmas, Man City. Yeah, it should have just been a two-word, two-word section, really. What, what I would like is for the table to be as it is going into Christmas Day. So if we can have three points separating the top four, mm. that would be a big ask of mine. But what I do think, not such a bold prediction, I think it would be Manchester City and Liverpool that will be clear of Arsenal by then. Just, just, just something with Arsenal that just gives me. It makes me feel like I've had 10 Guinness and you know my gut's reacting bad again. There's just something a little bit stinky going on there. I can't put my finger on it. I'm not a doctor, but I just feel like Manchester City and Liverpool might start to pull away a la what we've seen over the last couple of, of seasons. So uh, I, I want it to be as tight as it is, but I just feel Manchester City and Liverpool will start to put the foot down. And Arsenal, champ, they've, well, they're pract- are they qualified already for the Champions League next round? But... Yeah, that's my prediction. Not as bold as you're saying Liverpool are top, but I mean, if Liverpool beat Man City on Saturday, oh my God, we could be we could be celebrating in the streets because we will have a title race on our hands, my friend. What you're trying to say is you want to wake up on Christmas morning and it to be nice and tight. Yeah, yeah, nice and tight. At yeah. the top of the and league. You've given me your of sack of presents. Oh, you see, you took it somewhere it doesn't need to go. What? Right, we're going to go serious here. We're going to talk about relegation because the title of the show is Man City and Chelsea relegated, question mark, and then Arsenal facing charges. I do just want to say, though, I'm not going to shout the person out because he'll either be very popular or he'll get picked on. But somebody in our Spotify comments said, huh, Goldbridge saves football. How can you save football when you're only focusing on the top teams? It's a good point of which well, I try I'm not my too best. bothered. Yeah, well, he's a Blues fan. He talks about Birmingham. But look, I focus on what interests me. If I'm down the pub and there's a table with interesting people on it, and then there's a table with you on it, whoever made that comment, then I'm going to sit and talk to the people who are interesting. It's the circle of life. Elton John sang about it. It's the circle of life. And ultimately, I focus on what's interesting. I don't find the bottom half of the table particularly interesting. Last year I did, but I think this relegation battle is going to be very, very boring. But... Talking about relegation, Will, big, big news at the moment is that we've seen Everton given a 10-point points deduction. Uh, we've also given, uh, we're also seeing now Chelsea have apparently been involved, according to an article I read, in what I would describe as allegedly uh, money going to players' agents, managers, other clubs to help them buy players over the last 10 years. Uh, previous to this Todd Bowley era, Raven Abramovich, uh, I think it's safe to say. And then Man City have their 115 charges, which, I mean, again, involves allegedly things where money is being used not correctly, whether it be sponsors or, or, or deals or whatever. Um, we've seen that 10-point deduction for Everton. Um, it, it, it's a very severe punishment considering the Everton one was basically going over what they were allowed to spend by 20 million and admitting it. It could be and probably should be relegation for Chelsea and Man City and anybody else who gets caught in relation to what they're allegedly have done. Yeah, I mean, uh, the news broke, you you delve into it and then you look at at the facts of the Everton situation and it's exactly like you said, they've gone 20 million over. But what they were trying to say is they've gone less over the spend than than they have. They changed their verdict from saying they haven't to they had. And then it was sort of delving into... um, stuff around the stadium obviously the war in Ukraine and sponsorship like that um I I feel a bit torn on it really I think when it first came out my initial reaction was a bit like you going Manchester City Chelsea what's these next but the Premier League have set a precedent here and that that's Mm. that's my biggest worry that they're not going to be able to follow up on it and the Manchester City case is completely different to the Everton one because 
the fundamental thing. Well, yeah, it is. It is worse, but the fundamental thing will come around. It's more. It's not a he said, she said, but the Premier League will almost need to prove that Manchester City have lied in in what they've done. Where this is, it's a bit more black and white. Where Everton have admitted they've done wrong. How much they've done wrong is still up for up for grabs. But yeah, the Manchester City and Chelsea ones. I think when you read into it a bit more, that that's what worries me because it will just get kicked and kicked further down the can, and. I worry for football in general on Goldbridge Chase football because I think we're going to have more and more of these cases and then it almost mm. becomes a league table of who's got the best lawyers who can put, put the most smoke out there to sort of muddy the waters. And you don't want to be going into Premier League season, Champions League seasons with just question marks because, you well, know, even... Go on. No, I was just going to say because ultimately I love football and that's what this is all about. This is why we do it. And, yeah. you know, we are trying to save football in a sense. But I agree with you. The people who are suffer here are the Everton fans, potentially Chelsea fans, Man City fans. And let's be honest, I don't think it's just Chelsea, Man City and Everton. I, I no. would suspect it could be Manchester United. It could be Liverpool. It could be Arsenal. I, I, I would be very, very surprised if no other club in the Premier League has broken the rules at some point in the last 10 years. And if they have, uh, I mean, one, one thing I did say on my That's Football video, Will, was that the Premier League need to lead from the front here. They've yeah. gone very strict on Everton. I don't mind them having teeth. But they've got to be consistent teeth. You can't yeah. eat that seal and then leave the other seal alone if you're a we shark. Seals. Oh, shark, sorry. Because I'm a shark. They, so if, they, if they're going to have, a, or if you're a lion, you can't eat that antelope and then let the uh, zebra get away with it just because he looks good. Um, we can't have stuff like that going on. You've got to be fair. Newcastle get away with it. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, uh, you, got, you can yeah, figure yeah, that out nice. in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, so, yeah, but, but I think maybe if I was in charge of the Premier League here, it's a big problem. The eyes of the world are watching. You've made a, drawn a line in the sand with Everton. You can't back down now. Then you're a coward. So I think, that, I, I think I'd be looking at some sort of amnesty. I'd be saying, look, we appreciate that things have gone wrong. And over the next six months is your opportunity as football clubs in the Premier League to tell us what you've done. And if you don't, and we do find out, then... Yeah, there's going to be problems because the worst thing is you talk about relegating Chelsea and Man City, but you're going to replace them with Norwich and I don't know Birmingham or something like that. And it's like, well, look on. at Rain, look at what happened to Rangers when you took them out. They deserved it. They deserved to be taken out, Rangers, and they started right at the bottom. But everyone was like, when are Rangers going to be back? So, you know, I think we're, we're all. I just feel for, sorry for the fact. I, I even feel sorry for the Man City fans if, if anything happens to them because ultimately it's these people who run their football clubs that cause these issues. Well, the worst bit is as well, it just rumbles on as well because obviously Everton and, and rightly so have got the right to appeal. But then, you know, mm. that could bring us to March, April. So that, again, there's just question marks over that. I don't know. What, apparently we're going to get the end to the Manchester City charges next year. But then you, whatever the outcome of that is, that'll just be the start of a brand new process where this and that gets said. So I think... Like we don't want this to be part of football, and like this, just I think the analogy you had with the amnesty that would be great if they'd have done that before charging Everton. Like if yeah. they could have had a more frank conversation with Everton, Manchester City, Chelsea, and be like, like, right, we all know you're being creative with your accountant. We all know you're doing X, Y, and Z to get around these things. It's like Formula One, isn't it? I've been watching that Braun documentary. They put the list of regulations out every year, Formula One. And they say the best teams read it once to see what the rules are and then read it again to sort of have their own um, own view of it and how they can sort of manipulate it in a way to, to get around the rules, but still within the rules. And we need to... It's like listening to this podcast. You listen to it once and then you listen to it again and you get more jokes and, and, and enjoyment yeah. out of it. 
all the little jokes that we pre-write and meticulously put in. But yeah, I'm just I'm just worried for football in general because I think there's just a dark cloud that's over football and this dark cloud is going to get bigger, faster, wider and be over us for a long time. So it's going to be a, a long, bleak winter in football, I, I worry about. I agree. I think, I think we're in this situation because agreed. I think there's been so much... If you think about when the Premier League was incepted in the early 90s, Serie A was number one. And I yeah, think the Premier League has just been on this fast track to be the best league in the world without actually taking the time and care to make sure that it's also got integrity. Football is about integrity um, to the fans. You want integrity. When you win, you want it to be you know, um, beyond reproach. I find it hilar- not hilarious. That's not the right word. I didn't find it funny. I wasn't laughing at all. When Manchester City got their 115 charges, they, within two months of that, won the treble. There's something wrong about that. There's something wrong about going, we're charging you with 115 offences and we think you've done them because that's what charging means. They feel they've got a case. And then two months later, they win the treble. And those charges are, are along, what, is it something like eight, ten years? So the whole basis of this Man City juggernaut, and it is, we've just said they'll probably be top at Christmas. They say the, the Premier League is basically saying, we think you've broken rules multiple times, which leads the, the ordinary fan like us to go, well, they are where they are because they broke the rules then. They fast-tracked their way through, allegedly. So I just think the integrity of football is at stake here. And we've seen what's happened with Serie A in the past and Italian football. And the Premier League is on very thin ice here because if they get it wrong, then this greatest league in the world, which is obsessed with money, is going to come tumbling down, and rightly so. I, I mean, I, I, he's a contender, actually. I wanted to ask you about this, Will. Um, this makes it easier because I've got two contenders from Michael Owen in Pratt of the Week. So I'm going to bin one off to bring it into here. And one of them was, he basically said this on Twitter, that uh, whether Everton deserve a points deduction or not is up for debate, but I've never liked financial fair play. Surely there's a better way of protecting the future of clubs. Financial fair play protects the elite clubs and makes it near impossible for the chasing pack to compete. Disagree, disagree, disagree. What a Pratt. I mean, if we, if we, so what, so what are you saying, Michael, if we get rid of financial fair play, Teams like Everton and Crystal Palace will be able to compete with the Man Cities and the Newcastles. Absolutely not. Financial fair play is actually providing the best opportunity of competition in a place where we won't have that sort of competition because Man Newcastle are so rich. If you didn't have financial fair play and say get rid of it, Everton can't compete with Man City uh, with Newcastle. Newcastle can buy the whole of the Premier League. There might be another way of doing it, but yeah. we definitely need financial restrictions. But do you not just think with Newcastle now, it's just inevitable, like we've spoken about this, it's inevitable that Newcastle will win the Premier League probably in the next five to ten years, be in Europe going forward. And it's almost like the FFP's there, great, but it just sort of maybe slows it down a little bit. It doesn't really stop the train. I think the interesting thing, going back to your previous point, is I feel like it is a tipping point for the Premier League because it's just just been on an upward trajectory, no Mm -hmm. stopping it. Think of all the horrible wrongs that have been involved with the Premier League. And then you're sort of eating your cake and now coming to roost. Because I've just used two analogies there. But I just I just really think this could be a tipping point for the Premier League where, you know, transfer fees, everything's going up, up and up. And I think this could really put a halt to that because, yeah, integrity in sport is everything. And... Look, we're here to say football, aren't we? And ultimately, yeah. we spend a lot of time talking about bad officiating, etc. But this is a concern because this is the very structure and foundations of which the Premier League is built on. And to coin another phrase, what must what goes up must come down. And the Premier League can't just keep going up and up and up. And there's a lot yeah. of 
you know, the Super League was there to bring it down. Other leagues would love to bring it down. Um, corruption, oh boy, oh boy, and girl, it will bring you down. And the Premier League has to have teeth here. And as I say, it's fans that suffer because if Everton ended up relegated, and of course there's other charges that might come in from other Premier League clubs who got relegated last year, they're talking about suing. It just gets very dangerous then because we're trying to run a Premier League. We've missed the Premier League for two weeks, Will, because of the international break. Imagine the Premier League where Everton are being sued by the teams that got relegated last year. Liverpool are suing Man City because they didn't win two Premier League titles because Man City were cheating. Chelsea gets sued because they got top four and someone else did. I I don't know how they solve this, but they can't sweep it under the carpet because there's cleverer brains than ours that do the investigating um, investigative journalism around this, and it takes them years. I think think ultimately... Sorry, I think ultimately, finally for me, I just think that will happen though in some form or way. I just don't think the big clubs will get punished. I mean, I always used to use the analogy of like Manchester City still haven't had a points deduction. Barcelona, one billion pounds in debt, doing all sorts Mm. of financial reshaping, still not had a points deduction. They've got a referee thing going on as well, haven't they? Well, I mean, that's one side of it. And then Birmingham City had a nine point deduction a couple of years ago because we signed Christian Pedersen for 1.5 million when we shouldn't have. So it's just all bad. He wasn't that bad. That's not fair. It just feels like the the teams, the teams who can get away with it, get away with it, and then the smaller teams. And I'd even put Everton in that category just because they, you know, they have rightly been punished. But I just don't think the the punishment that we will should see will happen. I um and look, I, I in no way uh, this is not about having a horse in the race. Wouldn't surprise me one bit if over the next twelve months, Man United have done something, and then again we suffer mm-hmm. as fans. Um, just uh, just move, get your comments in about this because it is a serious issue. I'm sure we'll revisit, but um, we've also got in the title about Arsenal. Um, just very quickly because we've got loads to get through. Arsenal potentially going to face a charge from the Premier League. We know Arteta got charged last week. This is in relation to the VAR um, incident at Newcastle, and they've charged him. Um, absolutely against that in my opinion I don't think he should get charged I heard somebody on the radio last week saying that any mention of referees by players or managers should lead to a charge from now on to stop them talking about referees that's a very idealistic view in my opinion Will because if the officiating was good then obviously I I agree with respect but respect should be earned I feel Arteta did the right thing and Arsenal did the right thing I still to this day look at that push in the back by Joel Linton and I don't think it's sufficient for him to be charged because he said that the officiating in that game was a disgrace I think at best you agree to disagree but this just seems very draconian dictatorship from an organization that we already know this season because just off this podcast has made a lot of bad decisions I just don't think it's a good look to be charging Arteta and Arsenal over a decision that at the very best was 50-50 and is there's been so many bad decisions. I think I just don't think it's a good look for the PGML, PGMOL or the Premier League. I think it comes across as a bit of a dictatorship. Well, I think the worst thing for me over the last week, I know it's been a long time since the sort of Howard Wedd and Michael Owen stuff, but it just felt like we're making this sort of spectacle out of these decisions, but the PGMLO, or however you say it, are sort of really basking in it as well. Like yeah. at the start of the season, like th- that show's got to be, I don't know if it's commissioned or bought by like, and um, tune in for seven thirty, where Howard Webb and Michael Owen will be breaking down the latest decision. It's like, I, they've got the audio. Get it out on the Sunday or the Monday. There's plenty of other outlets and places where we can do with it. And it's almost like that that they're really wanting the entertainment of these decisions. And that's what I really struggled with. Where you have got people on Twitter going, "Yeah, fair play, like they got it right." Well, yeah, they should get it right. It's the job, and we don't need a half an hour entertainment show with Howard Webb, who's got all the charisma of. 
insert joke there. And I just don't think we need it because it, it almost empowers them to be, right, let's have a couple of decisions this weekend and, and go from there. I, it just felt really, it didn't sit well with me, to be honest. Well, again, Michael Owen, again, he's probably going to avoid Pratt of the Week because both of his contenders are getting mentioned before Pratt of the Week. But he, they, 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 they did this show, Howard Webb and Michael Owen, and Michael Owen may as well be a puppet because he just doesn't challenge Howard Webb. I'd love it to be one of us. And But they don't do the show until two weeks later. So they're sat there talking yeah. about the Newcastle We don't need a show, two- though. We don't need a show because we—it's like—it's like feeding someone porridge when they're twenty. You know, I can eat my own porridge, thanks. I don't—I'm not—I'm not a bloody baby. <laughs> and 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 it's—it's it's too late, and it and it and it and it's for idiots, and it's basically just two two mates backing each other. But the, but this is how this is how delusional they are, and this is how bad the mainstream is on this. They think, oh, we're getting a bit of heat here, lads. Can you can you say something on Twitter to to take it off us? They still think football fans can be manipulated by an ex-player with a few million Twitter followers telling them that they're wrong. But we don't live in that world now. Michael Owen, after that show, this was his tweet. Your scumbags always have been. Trawl through a load of messages until you find a couple of negative ones and then create an article. Most people thought the show was insightful and educational, which is our aim. And I'm like, oh my God, how to not read a room. So he'd seen a he'd seen an article in the, I think it was the Mail or something. And, and he thinks that, They've they've searched to find two negative article, two negative comments about him and Howard Webb, and then made a big deal of it. And the fact that he put most people think our show is insightful and educational just to me epitomizes the big big issue here with the people at the top of football and the way football is being run at the moment. Because yeah. nobody nobody finds it insightful and nobody finds it edu- educational. Most people find it a dictatorship that they will not and, and who is unaccountable and won't own up to their own mistakes. Insightful and educational I want from when I'm doing my training at Morrison's and I'm learning how to pick up a box. I don't want to have that on a Tuesday peak time when Michael... And, I mean, the the biggest prat of the season can be handed out now. Whichever TV producer thought Michael Owen and Howard Webb would be the new Anton Deck of VAR needs an absolute rocket up the arse and firing immediately because that is the biggest crime. Forget the 115 charges. That is the biggest crime in football history. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Michael Owen. Sorry, to me, sorry. No, you're right. I mean, Michael Owen to me comes across as a guy that doesn't even isn't even that interested in football anymore. I mean, I know he likes his horses, but he just does. He he never he is he is stereotypically known for stating the obvious, like, and yeah. he doesn't come across as a, at least Neville Carragher and some of the others. They might get it wrong, but they come across as passionate. Michael Owen just comes across as very very boring and very uninterested. So to have him next to Howard Webb, who is quite charismatic. You just go, Howard Webb will say something, then you will go, ah, okay, Howard, yeah, that's fine, Howard. And you're like, no, this it, it, it yeah. is a complete and utter, what is the word? It's not dictatorship, propaganda. It's a propaganda show. That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it, is a, it is a joke. Um, should we, 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 should we do Pratt of the Week? Yeah. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three. God, I've missed you. God, I've missed that. <laughs> It's been too long. It's been too long. Um, I've I've still got some contenders, although Michael Owen was down for two. Um, he yes. almost sorry. Be I'll just of the week. before we get into Pratt of the week as well, uh, we have, we have some lovely comments on the Spotify page as well. And uh, this week, you know, if you want to get Pratt of the week dedicated to you, please get in touch. And this week, it's dedicated to Andy the Geordie who got in touch on Spotify to say, please, for the love of Christ, stop using that fucking jingle. So that's for that's for you, Andy. Uh, and here's one for you. No, I'll, I'll leave it for now. But uh, yeah, well, I, dedicated, I, get in touch. 
I had one as well from Sam Taylor who said, uh, surely Goldbridge has to be Pratt of the contender, uh, Pratt of the Week contender, considering he did a FIFA stream last week and was shouting and screaming because he couldn't hear the game but had the wrong headphones on that weren't even plugged in. Well, that, that's very gaming specific, and this is about football, so um, we, we won't be putting me forward. But I have a, I had both the Michael Owen ones, and really, just check Michael Owen's Twitter t- timeline. His last two tweets are just, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're debatable. But I, I'm, I'm going to bring an old favourite in as well, Tim Sherwood. Uh, he came out oh. this week with, um, he was talking about Marcus Rashford, and he basically said that... Uh, Marcus Rashford won't be starting for England in the Euros and he can thank his manager for that. If he was at Man City, he'd be world-class. And I just thought, wow, what a complete and utter prat. Um, Marcus Rashford was Manchester United's player of the year, got voted as his player of the year, as our player of the year last year. And I was talking about him winning the Ballon d'Or. Guess who was the manager? Eric Ten Hag. Um, Marcus Rashford this season isn't playing particularly well. Neither is Bruno, neither is Casemiro. I don't think you can pin this on Eric Ten Hag. And also, beyond that... I love Marcus Rashford. I think he's a fantastic player. I think Bruno's a fantastic player. But if they were at Man City, they'd be sat in a tracksuit at best on their bench. So I just thought that's a guy in the mainstream media talking to the nation out of his arse. And uh, he is a prat, in my opinion. Any thoughts on that, though? Do you think Marcus Rashford would be world class for Pep? I just don't. I just don't see... I don't think he's a pet player. He's not a possession-based player. And also, I don't think he'd start. I think the thing we, we spoke about with Manchester City is they sort of, they turn people to fit their system. So would Marcus Rashford eventually fit the system? Probably, yes. I think what you do get from Manchester City is just a stable condition there where everything's controlled by Pep from top to bottom. You know what's going on. The scandals, with everything. Uh, and also, he wouldn't be top dog as well, which sort of might help him. So... I think he might maybe get a little bit more out of him, but it might be a bit different. But yeah, to your point where he was there previously last season and Eric got the best out of him. Can I call you Eric? I just have. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think we, we it's just a bad run of... We've seen this with Rashford before. He's up and down. Ultimately, I think he needs to leave. If it's the Man City, yes. But I think ultimately he needs to leave Manchester United. But the bottom line as well is that I think Tim Sherwood's a bit like, I'm going to call him a goldfish because I think he wakes up in the morning and completely forgets anything. I mean, he probably doesn't even know he needs to brush his teeth. He probably needs to be told. He's just, he just like, he wakes up and comes out with complete and utter nonsense because Marcus Rashford actually last season was brilliant and he was getting loads of praise. And it's a bit like Grealish at Villa, isn't it? He might be a better player at Man City now, but he doesn't start every week. But at Villa... He was the star and everyone was talking about him. And Marcus Rashford, when he plays well for Man United, he's the star of Man United. And Man United are a yeah. massive club. So, yeah, just just a weird comment. Have you got any contenders? Yeah, uh, scrolling through Twitter last night, I saw an absolute doozy. Uh, Steven Gerrard's been mentioned on this podcast numerous times. We've oh, moved yeah. to Saudi Arabia. But a video appeared, some sort of propaganda for the league where they're sat down with interviewing managers and players that have gone over. And Gerrard's talking about Saudi Arabia and... He comes over the most inconvincing for even Steven Gerrard. We, we spoke before where he said the three reasons where he was going to Saudi, but the project, uh, maybe his family, and none of them were money. Well, this week he's he said that, it's just the way he was speaking as well. He was like, um, uh, and obviously when Cristiano Ronaldo joined, or as we call him, the GOAT, I mean, it, it just felt really, so basically he's flopped from Messi to Ronaldo. Ronaldo's now his GOAT, and we've, under the question why that's happened 
Yeah, I did see it. You sent it to me this morning, actually, and I was just like, it comes across as ridiculously insincere and totally motivated by how much money is being pumped into his bank account, which is absolutely fine. There's no problem with, look, people go for money everywhere like they do. That's the world. Let's not pretend we're moral crusaders saying that people can't go and earn money. Of course they can't. But what we can do is look at someone when they're doing an interview and, and, and check their sincerity. And I think since Stephen Gerrard's gone to Saudi Arabia, um, if he was doing well at Aston Villa, would he be there? No. He got the sack from Aston Villa. He'd probably blown his chance of getting a decent job in England again. High profile, fantastic footballer. Begrudgingly say that as a United fan, but he has gone there to make a lot of money. And basically, it looks a little bit like I can be paid to say anything about football. And if Messi was there as the face of Saudi Arabian football, Messi'd be the GOAT. It's Ronaldo, so he's the GOAT. And it did come across as ridiculously insincere. But insincere doesn't mean it won't all work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another one that I saw this morning, there was a, a call on a call show. That's all you're getting. Um, and Guy came on, and I think it's a great one for us because we have a lot of back and forth. But he basically said, Sven Goran Eriksson would have done better with this group of players than Gareth Southgate because he's got me- more resources at his disposal. Hmm. But obviously not thinking that Obviously, Sven Goran Eriksson had the golden generation with Rooney, Owen, Lampard, Terry, Gerard, Scholes, Beckham, Hargreaves, Campbell, Ashley Cole, Gary Neville. I could go on, but I just thought that was an absolute ridiculous comment. I, I have to agree. I have to agree. I think that do Southgate. You? Well, I do agree because Eriksson oh. pisses me off. Eriksson actually pisses me off. Like, um, if they'd said Venables or someone like that, I would agree. That Venables, so Bobby. but Bobby, so Bobby Robson would have won it with these set of players. But Ericsson bottled it like 2002 quarterfinal against 10 men Brazil, bottled it with oh, players yeah. that should have won it. Should have 04 probably should have won the Euros, 06 probably should have won the World Cup. So Ericsson's not a good example of it. Um, I mean, look, Southgate, Ericsson, Ericsson's a better manager, but ultimately they both could have the same legacy of messing up uh, a selection of players that really should have won a major tournament and uh. You don't want that on your CV, but no, I I, I don't think Ericsson is gonna. He, he was very grey, very very boring, and not the manager you want in a quarterfinal when you're losing two one to Brazil and they're down to ten men and you've got half an hour to win the game and he just did nothing. I think he had a whole half actually, waste of time, rubbish. Um, who should we go with, Pratt of the week then? Well, I didn't know if you just wanted to finish because I think Michael Owen's actually got another one, but I hadn't actually seen this. You said it, he wants to get rid of FPL. Yeah, that's what we just. Financial fair play. Oh, do you mean no FPL's fantasy Premier League? I want to get rid of that as well. Oh my! No, God. that's what well, you. No, no. I think you've texted me meaning FFP, and I've right, okay. I've copied and pasted it. I thought he wanted to get rid of fantasy football. It probably does. I mean, look, it, it's a shame he doesn't want to get. No, I've, he wants to get rid of FFP. He's never liked oh, it. God. So, um, and also, he's uh, obviously his comment. I think it has to be Michael Owen this week. I know he didn't. Uh, yeah, we, we've mentioned him way too much, and he, he's way off. And uh, I think Michael Owen, you are Pratt of the Week. You're a Pratt. He's a Pratt. She's a Pratt. They're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three. Okay, right. We've got to whiz through some of these because I'm on a time limit today. Uh, And remember, we've got Friday's show as well. We're going to be back with Premier League uh, predictions, uh, Goldbridge, uh, and a hell of a lot more. Can't wait for this weekend. Some cracking games. And it's great to have real football back. But uh, 
a regular section of the Tuesday show is our little quiz we've got, um, which is uh, our head-to-head. I've got a cracking one. I've actually done some work on this one this week. But we've got a few either-ors to get through, first of all. I'm going to start off. um, Kyle Walker or Gary Neville, who's the better right-back? Are you old enough to remember this, Will? Yeah, yeah, I'm 32, nearly 33. Uh, And I I, I feel like this is just a free hit for you. I mean, there's no way you can say in any way, shape, or what we're talking about, a better businessman, or because maybe Gary Neville wins that, but there is no Uh, way that you can say Kyle Walker Walker. is a better. What, are you going Gary Neville? Yeah. What are you at? Look, no matter how many times you say it, you ain't getting on the overlap, so there's no point trying to go for Neville. But this is my point. Like, I'm not bitter and stubborn. There's people out there, right, who don't like me. Mm. And if they said, who's a better presenter, Mark Goldbridge or Will, they'd say Will because they don't like me. Even though everyone knows it's me. Nah, I'm joking. But no, look, I'm not talking about Gary Neville, the pundit or the the person or anything like that. I'm talking about football. Carl Walker's got a few dodgy stories about him, let's be honest. So we're talking about footballers. Carl Walker is very, very good, but he's totally reliant on pace, in my opinion. Gary Neville played for England in Euro 96 and was, you know, that, that was his breakthrough tournament was at the top of his game playing for England and Manchester United. I just think he's underrated as a right-back. And as somebody who saw him throughout his career, he could play centre-back as well. He, I saw him playing tournaments mm. against really good wingers, uh, Figo, and 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 have a really good game against him. I, I think he's underrated as a right-back. Uh, gar- gar- guaranteed not necessarily born with talent, but certainly worked hard at his talent. He's getting up at five o'clock every morning and attacking the day, even as a right back. And I, yeah. I, I think Gary Neville's career and all round game is better than Carl Walker. So I would go Gary Neville, but this is probably going to cause ructions in the chat. And if we clip it up as well. Yeah, I think uh, overall, I think Gary Neville's game is underrated. Even the way he was speaking about himself in the David Beckham documentary, you were like, hang on, Gary, like, you know, you've, you've, won a treble you've won multiple premier leagues just you, you are a very good right back so stop talking yourself down but overall as a better player Kyle Walker hands down for me yeah he does talk himself down a lot I, I would go him we've got to whiz through these um what do we got Jota or Foden this was quite a good one this came in from Tremaine uh who asked us about this from the chat remember can you leave your chats on the Spotify question area um I want to say Foden but it did make I mean, me think obviously that... it's Foden no but Jota actually is a bit underrated he does a really good job for Liverpool and he does pop up with a lot of goals but I I do think Jota is a good player and I think it's a I think it's a conversation which is more than I think you would give it um but I just think Foden's so technically gifted he's probably one of the most technically gifted England players that we've produced in relation to his I don't think he's fulfilled his potential yet I still think he's got gears to go through certainly for England um and I think that Man City side should really, at some point, be, be be focal around him instead of De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva. But yeah, I I, still, I think Foden's technically better than Jota. Yeah, I mean, hands down. I, I was quite surprised that you even put it in the WhatsApp chat. So I think hands down, Phil Foden. Um, we'll keep this one, De Bruyne versus Skulls, back for another week because I think it's a longer conversation. But a nice little quick one. Um, if Rodri is the best centre midfielder, holding midfielder in the league, who is the second best? i.e. is it Declan Rice? Well, yeah, that's the first one that sprang to my mind. Have you got any sort of ones for your nominations there? Because I think Declan's Rice game has sort of expanded even further. From uh, He was definitely doing what he was doing at Arsenal at West Ham. But I think just to have those games in the Champions Leagues, hopefully we can see it 
but what he can do for England, carry on. I just think he's absolutely phenomenal and could probably, if two two years at Arsenal, I think could really be pushing Rodri to be, we'd be having the debate, Rodri or Rice. I think I think we've got to be a little bit careful of recency bias because Casemiro last season for Man United was magnificent and coming as played. one of the best, uh, played a lot last season. Um, I also think Basuma has been really good this year for Spurs. Yeah. And so is Alexi McAllister in that Liverpool role. Very, very underrated. But look, I wouldn't necessarily answer this question as a definitive, but I do. With, I do. Enzo Fernandez. Every, yeah, he he has again in a team that probably isn't as fashionable. But look, I, I I think it's a really good one. I don't think it's clear cut, and I think Declan Rice. I agree with Will. When I've seen Arsenal this year, and they've not always been convincing, he has been really really good and has adapted to that position. I think it's one to revisit probably into the new year when they've all had a little bit longer. But yeah, Declan Rice at the moment is fantastic. Let's do our little quiz. So how this works is uh, Will has a player, I have a player. Uh, what's the overall scores, Will? Is it 2-1 to me? No, it was. I think it's 3-1 to me. Nah, we'll have to, we'll have to double check. Oh, I won last oh, week. It's de- oh, it's 2-1. Oh, it's 2-2 then. It's 2-2, 2-2. So we get a point each week for the winner. Um, we'll, we'll have a player. I will have a player. Uh, we will give each other five clues. If you get it on the first clue, you get five points. Second clue, four points. It's a bit like a penalty shootout, really. How many do you miss before you score? And um, who went first? Like, I'll go first this week then. Okay, yeah, so you can play. You can play along at home here, uh, and uh, I have I, I put more work into this last than I did last week because last week I just sort so of made it up. Some work. No, I, I, I had a player in mind and I, and I built it around them, which is always a good way to go. So, um, first clue: I started my career in France, and I'm in the hundred goals Premier League club. Thierry Henry. No, it's a good, oh, good, good already. one. I've got it. I've got it already. Have you? Yeah. Well done. Uh, well, you, you've had your guess. Uh, so you could get four if you get this. Um, I'm currently playing and I've played for six clubs, but my biggest transfer fee is £34 million. Olivier Giroud? No. Oh, so I was so, you, so sure then. Oh, mate, you know what? <laughs> them, 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 maybe they're not French. You said they were French. No, they started their career in France. Ah, sacre bleu. Mm. Ah. Yeah. So started a career okay. in France, in the 100 Premier League goals club, currently oh, playing, weird. currently still playing, but has played for six clubs and his biggest ever transfer fee was 34 million. Okay, so... You, Lo- you lovely get... from you. You, you, is... you. you must be really pleased with your red herring there. You, you can no, it's not a red herring. Loads no, of people no, start their career I'm in France. praising you. Okay, number three. I won everything in domestic football with my last Premier League club. So won the Champions League, Premier League, EFL and FA Cup. And he did it at his last Premier League club. Who he doesn't play for anymore. Uh, oh God, honestly, I, can't, I, still can't, I still can't believe it's not Olivier Giroud. Uh, started in France, 100 goal club. Uh, won it all domestically. I'm really struggling now. I'll be honest with you, really struggling. It's a good one. Now. When I put the yeah. work in, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, you do, yeah. I've had my pants down here. I, I literally can't think of anyone because I, I, I can't tell you how much I thought it was Olivier Giroud. Um, it's not this because he didn't get the 100 goals club, but Lacassette. No. So yeah, we're, on to, we're on to clue four now. He could get two. Shit. He might get it off this one. So reminder, started career in France in the 100 goals yeah. Premier League club, currently playing, but his biggest fee was 34 million. Uh, won everything 
in in his uh, in his last Premier League club, won all the domestic trophies and the Champions League. Clue four, currently playing in Saudi Arabia. Oh, um, Sadio Mane. Yeah. Well done. Oh, that was that was a good uh, one, wasn't yeah, it? Really good from you. Yeah, well done, you. You should be really proud of yourself. Final clue um, would have been final clue would have been hundred caps for my African nation. Yeah, nice. Very good. That's a good very one. Good. Okay. When I yeah, put the work, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I know you can tell. Um, Thanks, Steve. Right. Big shout out. <laughs> right here we go. Uh, I made my. So you got two. Debut. You got two, didn't you? Yeah, I got two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you need to get it on. I'm rubbish three. at this game. I made my England debut in 2008 in a friendly game against Trinidad and Tobago. Peter Crouch. No, incorrect. Managers I've played under include Sean Dyche, Jose Mourinho and Alex McLeish. Hmm. Sean Dyche, Jose Mourinho and Alex McLeish and made my England debut. So he's English, definitely. And uh, Sean Dyche, Alan Dyche, uh, Alex McLeish. Um... I've got no idea. I can't think. I'm rubbish at this game. Brain is stirring. I'm going to say Joe Hart, even though I know it's not. I need another clue. It's Joe Hart. It's correct. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. It came well into done. my head first, and I was just like, "It won't be Joe Hart," because I couldn't think who's he played. Yeah. Jose Marino, who's he played for him then? Spurs. We did that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Sean Dyche would have been Burnley. Alex McLeish, Birmingham. Correct. Yeah. And then the next clues oh, were. I'll tell you I what. I've abs- include... Go on. You're buzzing here, aren't you? Leagues I've, I've played didn't include SPL, it. Serie A, and the Premier League. Uh, four was I've been a guest on the Fozcast. And five was I currently play in Scotland for Celtic. What was clue three going to be? Leagues I've played in include the SPL, Serie A and the Premier League. I tell you what, that that's like whacking a ball from the halfway line to clear it and it goes in the top corner and you go, I meant it. I absolutely fluked that one and I, I, will, I will take it though. There's no VAR, I will take that. What a day you've had there. A great set of questions from you threw me off and then you've come in and stole Joe Hart. With a guess. With a, with with a, a stupid, guess. like, it, it was a Educated flippant guess. guess. It wasn't. It was flippant. I was just like, I don't know even know why he came into my head. I just thought Burnley and Sean Dyche. Um, also, just a quick reminder for the Christmas show as well. I've been in contact with you if you've won. Uh, so your name's on the door. So if you haven't heard from me, buy a ticket. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, December the 11th, we've got Football Fill-In, Goldbridge Saves Football podcast against each other. It's going to be a great night in Manchester. Get your tickets if you want. Just search United Stand uh, Christmas Show and you'll get those online. It's been a great show to be back. We filled it quite well considering it's international and and, and there's a lot going on. Uh, make sure you give us uh, your five stars on uh, Spotify and give us your comments. Uh, we're getting more and more that we're bringing into the shows now. And of course, Will, very excited. We're back on Friday with our Premier League preview podcast and Goldbridge, which I already know I did shite because you wouldn't let me sub players out last time, you shit. Yeah, well, you're the shit moaning on Twitter, so I think it was a bad week all round. But uh, we're back. We're back in force, ready for Liverpool, Man City, all the big games. The football's back and we'll be ready to digest it. And remember, don't forget to put in your comments the new in relation to the new jingle, which will be back next week. Who'll be top of Christmas, that is all. I'm still saying Liverpool. Andy the Geordie will be back. Yeah. 
Uh, what? Who, who, who have you gone for top at Christmas? Did you stay City? I'd, just, I'd go Man City because don't want to yeah, get anything wrong. Thanks, everybody, for watching. It's great to be back. Fantastic podcast. And uh, we've got some exciting stuff coming up for you at Christmas as well around this podcast. So we can't wait to reveal that for you. So keep involved and uh, we'll speak John Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.